Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, Nancy, I get to indulge in my sport now, the top of this show this week, because uh, some big news came out of the European Eventing Championships. And it's not a sport that you've been anyway involved with have you followed it at all um not too much i mean obviously as i'm sure you'll go into it's uh britain britain are very successful at it um but i haven't and obviously as well the olympics but i haven't really aside from that um you know i've, I've written a few news stories about it when i was like, inside the games but i haven't really had a chance to watch too much yeah, it, it really was a fantastic uh, week for them. It was the European Championships, which have fallen because of COVID, Nancy. You know, it, we've got them in the same year as the Olympics, which doesn't usually happen. They, it happens on alternate years. But anyway, they went to Avange in Switzerland, which is a beautiful part of Switzerland. And uh, the Germans, of course, are always our main competition. But the Brits absolutely stole the show. They won all of the medals. And I'm thrilled for the individual gold medalist. That's Nicola Wilson. She's been a team member for years. And uh, it was really her time to win the gold, the individual gold. You know, she's won a number of team medals. And I think she's had an individual silver in the past. But anyway, she won gold and Piggy March uh, came second. She won the silver. And uh, the individual, one of one of our individual riders, Sarah Bullimore, Bullimore who's also been uh, on the team on thereabouts for years, she took the bronze medal. And uh, the Germans couldn't beat us this time. So, you know, it really was a fantastic result. Um, I think, uh, you know, this is something that, as I said, this is a sport that we, we as British, you know, I'm wearing my British citizenship hat here, uh, we, we really excel. And this is the seventh time in its history where uh, of the European Championships where we've won all of the medal. I think the last time was 1991. So congratulations to all of them, all-female team, um, just coincidentally. I mean, it's a sport where men and women compete equally, as you know. Uh, but the the Brits were fantastic. And I mean, credit too to Nicola, who broke her neck a couple of years ago. I think it was June nineteen to, to June 2019. She was riding in a lower level competition and uh, broke uh, at least two vertebrae in her neck, if not four. Um, so she had a bit of a setback. And the horse that she was, you know, rode, that she rode in, in Avanche, uh, of course, he got uh, a bit of a rest, a longer rest than um, they, than anticipated. Um, but anyway, she came back, got over a broken neck, and uh, and she's now the new European Championships uh, champion. So congratulations to all of those women who competed in Avanche. So um, yeah, gold, gold, gold all the way, Nancy. Yeah, I mean that's such an incredible story as well. Um, what a comeback from a horrific injury. So yeah, amazing. And 
yeah, it's always nice to see Britain do well in sport, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we've always been pretty good at equestrian sport. We've got a, a, a tremendous heritage there and um, tradition and reputation. And so good for them. So that's my top story this week. And, and you've got some tennis stories to start with too, don't you? Yep. So a few stories uh, in the world of tennis. Uh, the first is um, Ashley Barty has withdrawn from uh, Indian Wells, which is the tennis tournament starting uh, next week. Um, it's not a Grand Slam, but it is kind of one of the bigger tournaments outside the Grand Slam. Um, and it kind of starts, I think a lot of players use it to try and get into the top eight of the world rankings to then compete in the WTA finals, which are in November. Um, so Barty is withdrawn. Um, and I think there's a few, a bit of kind of doubt over her participation at the WTA finals as well. Um, I mean, as well, number one, she's kind of definitely qualified. Um, but she, I think, it, you know, she had that break, uh, in 2020, um, from, from tennis because of the pandemic, because Australia is like very, very locked down. There's not a lot of travel in and out. She didn't really, um, play at all. And then at the start of this year, made the decision that I'm going to have to like go and just leave Australia for a very long period of time if I want to compete. So she's done that. And her coach has said that she's quite keen now to get home. Um, so if she was to compete at the WTA finals, which is taking place in Mexico, if she went home now, you know, for a little bit for a holiday, she had to, she would have to do a two week quarantine upon arrival in Australia, leave again to play at the WTA finals, go back to Australia, have another two week quarantine and then start preparing for the Australian open. So I think that kind of heavy schedule, obviously she's had a very busy year kind of constantly being on the road. Um, it would have definitely been worth it because she's she won Wimbledon, of course. But um, yeah, I think it sounds like, according to her coach anyway, that her place at the WTA finals is a bit of a doubt. And I think the fact that she's withdrawn from Indian Wells as well suggests that it might be the end of her season now. But I think she fully deserves a rest, to be honest. She's been, yeah. you know, to be away from home for so long is is a big thing. And yeah, she's been at every tournament basically this year, hasn't she? Yes, and it is tough for them with COVID, isn't it? You know, travelling now is just nothing like it, it used to be. Um, you have to wonder if it will ever get back to normal. But when you've got a schedule like these professional athletes have, it's very disruptive. You've got to plan a lot more carefully, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously we've seen quite – I think Barty's been relatively lucky in that she's uh, not managed to catch COVID. But we've seen with a lot of tennis players as well, players have to, having to miss out because they've tested positive for COVID. I think around the Olympics, there were quite a few players who, who missed out then. So, yeah, you've, you've got the scheduling, you've got the testing, you've got the potentially having COVID and missing tournaments and the long-term impact that illness can have on you. So, yeah, it, I think a re it's a really difficult period to... To not just tennis, kind of all sport, really. All sports, yeah, for sure, for sure. Because they're used to being on the road, you know, on and off. Like, well, they're travelling every month. You know, it's you know, for some for some sports, they're on the road most of the time, aren't they? And international um, competition is is normal for them. So, yeah, pretty pretty hard on them to to schedule. But um, your other story actually talking about having difficult times and, and also coming from um, 
from Japan, from the, from the Pacific there, and uh, Naomi Osaka is talking about coming back. I suppose she'll have to plan it carefully, just like uh, Ash Barty's doing. Yeah, so she's had a bit of a, a break um, after the US Open, so she went out in the third round. Um, she lost to Leila Fernandez, who eventually went all the way to the final. So at the time, it was a bit of a shock, but then I think seeing how well Fernandez did, it was actually maybe a bit more understandable. Um, but yeah, she she also struggled at the Olympics, which was a home Olympics for her. So I imagine that was quite disappointing. Um, so after that period, she said she was going to have a bit of a, of a break from the court. Um, but she's, yeah, she's kind of sounded more positive about coming back. I think last time it was, you know, she was like, I'm not sure when I'm going to come back. But now she's she said uh, that she knows she's going to play again and that the return would be probably soon. Uh, she said, I kind of have that itch again. It wouldn't really matter to me if I, if I won or lost. I'd just have the joy of being back on the court. Well, that's um, a different attitude, isn't it, to what she's had? Yeah, really different attitude. So I think that's quite positive. It obviously sounds like, you know, she's taken a bit of time out and regained her love for it. Probably by not playing, she's realised how much she does love tennis. So, yeah, hopefully we're... I, I mean, I don't know whether we, we will see her... Um, kind of at any tournament before the Australian Open because obviously it gets a bit, you know, well, Indian Wells, we'll see if she's there next week and then the WTA finals as well. Um, but yeah, Australian Open, she is still the defending champion. So I imagine she's kind of gearing towards Doing that. defending yeah. her title there. Yeah. Well, did you see that Emma Raducanu, our US Open champion, she's uh, back at work uh, and she's, uh, also switched to uh, one-handed backhand. That's what she decided during her time off. Not that it was much time off, but her, her little time away there. Did you see that? Did I did you know? see that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah she's going to be another at Indian Wells next week as well. But I don't think she's been given a wild card, so I think she's going to go through qualifying, which is... Uh... <laughs> Um, You're quite good at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, maybe some other players would be a bit miffed that they'd won the US Open and had to go through qualifying. But I imagine for her, that seems to be the pathway to success. So, but, but yeah, no, I thought she to... wasn't. I thought she wasn't playing Indian Wells. I th- I thought she was, but just wasn't a wild card. Yeah. we'll have to check on that, won't we? Yeah, we. Yeah, I thought she she pulled out of a. Uh, there was another one, uh, the Chicago tournament. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the classic. But, yeah. Uh, speaking of, did you know that, uh, you know, the Belgian former number one, Kim Kleister, she, she's now 38. She made her comeback at that classic in Chicago earlier this week, uh, but she got beaten by uh, Su Wei Tsai of the Chinese Taipei. Uh, she she got actually three in three sets. Um, she got um, beaten quite uh, I think it was six three five seven six three. So she put up a bit of a fight, but it was quite something to come back, you know, with the kind of reputation that she had. I mean, Kim was, was usually popular on the tour, and as she took a break to have uh, a family, um, and I kind of retired. I didn't expect her to come back, but anyway, she decided she was coming back, and I knew she was coming back. But she chose the Chicago Full Tennis Classic this week to to come back, um, and she, but she got beaten in the, in the opening round. You know, she's a four time Grand Slam champion, Kim. She's yeah, tremendous track record. Uh, so you, it would be a bit intimidating, wouldn't it, to be playing her? So. Well done to um, say for for beating her in in the first round there. Uh, so yeah, 
that happened at the at the class, in the, which I know you mentioned uh, Emma had pulled out of, but I, I didn't think she was playing Indian Wells. We really will have to check up on that and set the record straight. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty certain she is. So, yeah, who, whoever's... We're, someone will have to do a forfeit next week, whoever's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, well, we're going to move on to uh, basketball here because it's big news here on the, in, in, this, in the States. When you mentioned Sue Bird, everybody knows Sue Bird over here because she's, she's a legend in the sport over here. Nobody's got a record like she has in the sport, period. Um, but uh, there's a bit of pressure on her from her fans anyway this weekend to make it one more year. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so this is after the uh, the WNBA playoffs, wasn't it? And her team, yeah. Seattle, some lost. So I think, yeah, she hasn't really confirmed when she's going to retire. Um, but I think maybe because of her age, she's definitely coming to the end of her career. I think the fans in the at the game were concerned that it would be the last time they saw her. So, yeah, they were all chanting one more year, weren't they? One more year, yeah, one more yeah. year. And, uh, yeah, that, that that was actually quite quite fun. She switched uh, shirts with uh, her old rival and, well, US team mate, uh, Diane Tarazzi, uh, Tarazzi who... Um, who was playing this weekend? So that that was that was quite a moment for them. And but Sue was saying she doesn't want to make it an emotional decision. You know, normally she just you know just keeps going and she keeps going. But she's you know of of a certain age now in the sport. And uh, and also her fiance Megan Rapino is uh, getting closer to retirement too. They they've got a wedding to arrange. So I guess all of that comes into the mix, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, like you said, if she doesn't want it to be emotional, it'd probably be a case of like a few weeks after kind of she her season has ended, as opposed to, you know, being in the emotion of playing and making a decision then. So yeah. I'm sure either way, we will probably find out soon. But yeah, I think if she decided there on the court, it would be a very emotional decision. Yes, yes. It's always good to, to stand back, take time. Um, all right, well, we're going to switch to football because that's inevitable. There's uh, lots of news coming out of uh, football, both sides of the pond now, because our season continues here at the NWSL. We've still got some great games to look forward to. And you've st- st- uh, sort of kicked off with some... Actually, it's quite exciting for the for the league over there in the, in the UK now because it used to be that was like four teams that were you know, the main kingpings in in the sport. But it looks like it's coming down to two, Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, um, for me anyway, as an Arsenal fan, it's it's going great. But I mean, yeah, it's very, very early days. Uh, we've only had three weekends of matches. So obviously in football, anything can change. But um, I mean, yeah, Arsenal have won all three of their games, including matches against uh, Chelsea and Man City, who finished first and second last season. Um, yeah, the, the game against Man City, we won 5-0. But it must be remembered that Man City have the longest injury list I've ever seen. Um, they really have no players and it's quite a lot of bad luck. You know, it's all injuries that are completely varied. Um, you know, it's, it's no one's fault. Uh, but it was a good time for Arsenal to play them. So, yeah, I'd say definitely Arsenal are definitely title contenders right now. But, um, yeah, we've still got 20 games to go. And anything can happen, really. Yeah, and uh, we should mention that Tobin Heath spent a few minutes uh, on uh, making her debut for Arsenal. Yep, uh, she came on in the last five minutes. I think 
again, it shows the depth that Arsenal have that, uh, you know, they're 5-0 up and they can put on Tobin Heath. Um, so, yeah, she'd just come back from international duty. So I think she'd literally arrived, did training for one day and then played played that those five minutes. So I'm sure we'll see her given much more game time, um, potentially tomorrow. Uh, Arsenal playing Spurs in the FA Cup tomorrow. So uh, might see her then. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there wasn't I, much I could say about her performance because it was very brief. But yeah, looking forward to seeing her play more. Yeah, uh, very exciting. I mean, even you know, for us over here, you know, we're excited to to watch her uh, playing more. There's some news though from Chelsea's manager uh, Emma Hayes. Yeah, so uh, this is about uh, the Euros, which are taking place in England next year, um, and UEFA have announced that they've doubled the prize money uh, for the tournament. So it's um, gone up from uh, 16 million euros. Sorry, it's gone up from 8 million euros, uh, which was available at the tournament uh, in 2017. So for this, for next year, it will be 16 million euros. Um, on face value, this does sound great. I mean, doubling the prize fund for a tournament is amazing. Sounds um, like you're playing the piano there, Nancy, um, tapping away, just so that people know when they're listening to this. Well, what what are they doing? It's, it's... I'm not actually moving, so I'm not sure Nancy what that fiddling. is. <laughs> I'm trying to stay super still. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, but when you compare the, the prize fund to the... Uh, the amount the, the men's teams get. So, um, yeah, the Euros, the men's Euros, which took place this year, had a 371 million euro prize pot. Um, yeah, and, and just the, the winners of the Italy who won, um, they got 34 million euros alone. Um, so I think that kind of comparison just shows that there's still massive, massive disparity. Um you know, it's great that UEFA have doubled the prize fund, but it's, I'm not saying that, you know, they should be getting, that, that, you know, hundreds of millions, millions of pounds for taking part because that's kind of a bit grotesque. Um, but I think it's quite difficult to just, you know, say, you know, the men's tournament is worth this much more than the women's. Um, so Emma Hayes has, has basically said that. Uh, she said that it's not, not enough money. And then when you look at it relatively, it's nowhere near the amount of money that's needed. Um, and former England manager Hope Powell as well. She she um, said it should be celebrated that it's been doubled, but when you compare it to the men's, it's still a million miles away from that. Um, so yeah, still a bit of work to be done there. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
we're looking forward to uh, some more games before we wrap out the season over over here. Um, and one of those will be um, OL Reigns upcoming um, match this weekend with Portland, which is anticipated to probably be the game of the season. Portland and OL Reign, of course, are number one and two in the league right now. So that should be pretty exciting, as, uh, especially, you know, since it's a West Coast uh, West Coast Derby. But there's a bit of scandal over here with the Washington Spirit. I don't know if you've been following any of that. Now one of the co-owners of the Washington Spirit is now calling um, on Steve Baldwin to sell the team. That's Michelle Kang. Uh, she's calling on, on him to sell the team because um, there's been an N NWSL investigation into this, which has just wrapped up about how toxic the, 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 the workplace culture had become. And, and she had heard about a climate of fear and intimidation that's persisted for years there um, and, and called it an archaic and hierarchical command and control mindset built on bullying. So all that's got to uh, come to a head here pretty soon with that NWSL um, investigation once that's uh, exposed. Uh, the, the findings of that, but the fact that she's trying to preempt those findings and, and calling on her co-owner there to sell, sell the team. Did, did you see that, Nancy? I did see that, yeah. I've seen a bit of that and um, covered um, from American outlets. And, yeah, it's just that I think there's there's been a, a kind of a few incidences of that with other teams as well, hasn't there? Yes. Yes, there has. We know um, Kelly O'Hara, um, Andy Sullivan, they both play for Washington Spirit. It's my local team. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be sad. Um, but if they have to sell it, they, they clearly need to, do need to clean house. There's no doubt about it. Um, but what's interesting, though, you haven't heard any of the players speak out about it. None of them. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, it's hard to to know the motivations for that isn't it maybe they yeah. Yeah. especially if there is the culture of fear probably they might be concerned about maybe their their place in the team or something like that um but yeah no it is it is interesting yeah well we'll have more news as that breaks of course when those findings are released um so uh, we're going to move to netball now commonwealth sport because there was a big upset in the netball test series um between England and New Zealand, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. So, um, yeah, England travelled out to New Zealand uh, to play the Kiwis in a free match series. Um, yeah, I mean, both teams are some of the among the best in the world, but the New Zealand team are kind of is the very best. Uh, they won the last World Cup back in 2019, um, and yeah, so so I think New Zealand were kind of you know. They were hosting the tournament and they were favourites and they did win the first match. But then um, England won the second match to take it to a third match and then England won that subsequent match. Um, I think it was very, it sounded very dramatic. Um, I think it, you know, England had to come back. They were down um, at the mid, at half time. Um, so they had to kind of completely turn it around. Yeah, they were, they were trailing 24-21 at half time. So, um, yeah, amazing. I think to come back against a team like that in both the deciding match and then the series as a whole was uh, really impressive. So, yeah, it's a good result for England. Yeah, it certainly is. Well done. Well done to them. Uh, the Roses. England's Roses. Now, you uh, have got an update on Afghan sportswomen as well, Nancy. This is a story that we continue to watch, of course, since the Taliban took over 
in Afghanistan a few weeks ago. Yeah, so this is, um, yeah, kind of just a, a, a few more, you know, we've, we've kind of covered football and cricket um, and there's been stories emerging from other uh, sports as well. So this, yeah, the BBC have reported um, the stories of a number of the players from the Afghanistan women's volleyball team. Um, apparently there are about almost 30 players hoping to escape Afghanistan and they're all, yeah, fearing for their lives. Um, the BBC spoke to one player, Zara Fayezi, who uh, managed to flee to the UK about a month ago. Um, and she said that, um, yeah, the, the volleyball players had to kind of burn their sports equipment and certificates um, so that if the Taliban ra- raided their house, they wouldn't get in trouble. Um, and they've also been threatened and being told they're not allowed to do sport. Uh, the Telegraph as well did quite a similar story on um, Afghanistan's cyclists, female cyclists as well. And again, just very similar stories there. So some people have managed to flee, but then they're really concerned about their former, you know, teammates with still within the country and, and they're being told to burn everything and just hide in the provinces so that they don't get kind of hunted down by the Taliban. So... Yeah, just a very sad state of affairs. And, and we've seen a number of sportswomen from Afghanistan um, evacuated in, in recent weeks. So hopefully some of these sportswomen can also um, get out to another country and, and continue playing sport. Yeah, because they really are uh, in, in serious danger there and their lives are being threatened. And I did read in that BBC story that one of them had actually been killed. One of the volleyball pl- players had been killed. Yeah, so yeah, one of the the players that had escaped to the UK said that um, one of her former teammates had been shot by the Taliban. Well, they thought it was the Taliban, and uh, yeah, she, you know, the the woman says there were there were no other groups that would do that, um, and yeah, they just that they were really shocked about it and, and concerned that they lose other friends the same way. So I think yeah, when you hear stories like that, it just does really emphasise that it's a very very precarious position they're in and. Yeah, I just hope they can all stay safe. Yeah, very much so. Well, we're going to turn to gymnastics um, for uh, our penultimate story this week. And a news, an article that's been published in on thecut.com about Simone Biles, of course, the US gymnast, um, arguably the greatest of all time. And, uh, of course, she had a very, very tough time in Tokyo, as we know. Uh, but she's now saying that she should have quit way before Tokyo. Yeah, so I think she's been um obviously, well for the for the background as well it's kind of you know she's been involved with this sexual abuse case um the former USA gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser uh, was found guilty about 4 or 5 years ago of sexually abusing over 300 girls and women uh, including Biles so um, I think initially at first she didn't really put her name out there as a survivor, but she then became public, uh, went public with it. So, um, yeah, I think that that kind of background to it, I think she'd always said that she wanted to continue competing um, because she was kind of the, the last one left of that generation that had been abused by NASA and she didn't want to stop kind of holding USA Gymnastics to account. Um, so in this interview, yeah, like, you know, she she did have a tough time at, at Tokyo. Um, she had something called the twisties, which um, means you kind of physically, you know, you've got a mental block that stops you performing physically. 
Um, and she kind of just ran through everything that happened, saying that the fact that uh, Tokyo was held in um, with, with a lot of COVID restrictions in place, so she was by herself. Um, she could, didn't have friends and family with her. There was kind of periods of isolation where you were just by yourself. Um, and she said she kind of got more and more nervous and then qualified for all the finals. But then it was at that point that in training, she just couldn't really do anything. Um, but then still went out for the for the team final. And then as we saw, um, yeah, didn't do well on the vault. And she said that um, she said it was a miracle that she landed on her feet and that if it was any other person, they would have gone out on a stretcher. Um, and as soon as she landed the vault, she just said to her coach that she couldn't continue. Um, and then, yeah, she went on to kind of say that she probably should have quit before the to- before Tokyo and shouldn't have really made the Olympic team. So she said, if, if you looked at everything I've gone through for the past seven years, I should have never made another Olympic team. I should have quit way before Tokyo when Larry Nassar was in the media for two years. It was too much. But I was not going to let him take something that I've worked for since I was six years old. I wasn't going to let him take that joy away from me. So I pushed past that for as long as my mind and my body would let me. So, yeah, she's essentially saying there that I think, her, you know, by the time it got to the Olympics, her her mind and her body wasn't really letting her um, mm-hmm. do gymnastics anymore. Um, yeah. I think that also sounds probably that she's maybe quite close to retirement as well. Um, you know, I don't think that sounds like someone that necessarily wants to continue doing gymnastics. For I think she's going to do an exhibition tour, isn't she? She's leaving shortly. Yeah, I think she's doing. I think that's that started. Um, I think that started a, like this week. Yeah, so she is she is doing that, but that seems quite. Um, I know she's had a lot of creative control over it, hasn't she? So I think that's yes. kind of it's like, it seems to be a bit of a passion project for her. Yeah, so. exactly. Like exec producer for it. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I'm sure she wants to to go out of the sport on her terms too after what she's been through. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's probably why she's um, frustrated by what happened at the Olympics because she would have probably wanted to have gone out on better. Obviously, a bronze medal was great, but you know she'd been fully there, fit, ready to compete she probably would have gone home with four or five gold medals um so i imagine that might be quite frustrating for her so potentially maybe that's why she does want to if she does go to paris maybe that's why or maybe she'll wait for a world champs or something like that i don't see her going to paris but we'll see i mean she's 24 now isn't she so yeah 24 so yeah. another three yeah. years that's quite old for a gymnast it is 27 isn't it? Yeah, yeah so it is but we'll see we have one final story um, this week, and it comes from U.S. Ski and Snowboard. Uh, they've announced the appointment of Sophie Goldschmidt now Goldschmidt as the organization's next president and CEO, and she has a tremendous track record in sports leadership, does Sophie, and I'm hoping to have a chat with her on a show in the next uh, days and weeks. I know she's relocating from L.A. to, to Park City, Utah, so she's a bit busy at, at the moment, but uh, I don't know if you've read about her because she has a fantastic uh, resume in sports leadership. She's been with the... She was CEO of the World Surf League, and prior to that, she's held executive positions at the National Basketball Association, the Women's Tennis Association, the Rugby Football Union, Chime Sports Marketing, and the PGA European Tour, and Adidas. So a tremendous amount of experience that she brings to that role. And, and I want to hear you know, what her plans are for it, because, of course, the U.S. is a powerhouse when it comes to any snow sports. <laughs> 
and we're leading up to Beijing and the Olympics in February. So hopefully, get, hopefully be able to have a chat with uh, Sophie in the coming in the coming days. So that really wraps up our stories this week. But it's not all of the news because. The main news is that uh, our friend Nancy Gillen here is about to, really this should have been the headlines, that you are about to run in the London Marathon in five days' time, as we record this on a Tuesday. In five days' time, you're going to be out there with the best in the world, Nancy. Uh, And I know you're excited. Are you nervous? Um, I don't really think I'm nervous. Um, I don't know. I don't really get nervous about this kind of thing. I think maybe if I hadn't prepared very well or if I'd say I was had a bit of an injury while I was preparing and I was coming back from it and I wasn't 100% sure of myself I'd be nervous but yeah I wouldn't really say nervous um I'd say just pretty pretty excited really nervous excited anticipation of, of it all and that, that now you leave at a very decent hour didn't you say 10 something uh British summertime, so there's a you know local time that's a pretty decent hour. You don't have to get up at oh dark thirty, do you? Yeah, no. So my start time is around twenty past ten. Um, so yeah, I'm planning on leaving my house about quarter past eight, so can get up at quarter past seven. So yeah, that's is you know not too bad really. It's not you hear some stories about people having to get up at like five, and that's not the case. So I should have. I mean, I might not be able to sleep because of excitement, but I should hopefully have quite a decent sleep before the before the big race. Yeah, and I know you'll sleep afterwards. My goodness, you know, all of that adrenaline, all that excitement is finally over. But it's a bit like a kid waiting for Christmas, you said. You really, really are looking forward to it. Yeah, it's just, I think, that anticipation of it. Um, and, you know, like everything I'm kind of doing at the moment is gearing towards it. Um, in terms of, you know, what I'm eating and the, the running and just think, you know, I need to go down to the Excel center to drop off my kit bag on which I'm doing on Thursday. So it's just things like that kind of getting prepared. And yeah, it's just, just kind of almost wanting it to be the day now because it's kind of taken up so much of my life. Um, but yeah, I just want to, I want to get there now. Um, we're going to hear all about it next week on the show. We're going to be joined by Dr. Julia McGratton, who has been a regular on, on uh, the, the network broadly. She's had her own show here with us and she is a runner and she spends a lot of time advising runners because she's a medical doctor so uh, she brings a unique perspective to it and and i'm sure because she's she's so passionate about it i think she runs almost every day in beautiful yorkshire countryside so she's going to talk to you about running i really don't need me maybe it should just be the nancy and juliet show yeah i mean but i i mean yeah it's uh it'd just be great i think to just talk to someone about the experience and i mean if yeah if anything goes wrong she'll probably just have said oh i could have probably told you to avoid doing that or that <laughs> but hopefully it would have it would have at that point all gone well um and yeah be yeah looking forward to it yeah i bet you are well we want to wish you the very very best of luck nancy because i know we've, we've talked about this every week on the show now for weeks since you started running yeah. back um back in the winter it seems to me you know um months ago uh, preparing for this and you've done it all on your own you've not had a coach you figured it out on your own uh, and so i hope you know hopefully hopefully the weather's kind i know you've yeah. got a lot of family and friends supporting you along along the way um and we'll look forward to hearing about it so uh, no doubt you'll tweet if you have the energy to tweet at the end of sunday <laughs> so we'll know where you finished 
yeah no i'll definitely i'll definitely try and keep social media updated um i'm gonna ask my sister or something to bring a battery pack so i can uh make sure my phone is charged and i can update everyone there you go all right and post some photos as well and we'll look forward to a thorough debrief with dr juliet mcgratton next week here on the show in the meantime of course you can read what nancy's writing follow her on social media just remind everybody nancy uh, yes, my uh, Twitter handle is Nancy underscore Gillen. Uh, my Instagram handle is Nancy Gillen underscore sport. And then everything I write is on uh, Give Me Sport Women, which is uh, Give Me Sport W on Twitter. All right. And we're at Wisp Sports, as always, on your social media channels and wisports.com, where you'll find the show notes, links to all these stories that we discussed here on the show. They're right there at wisports.com. And a quick mention of a second series starting uh, the, the, the show, uh, the Leo's Den show um, with... Uh, Naya Tapper, two U.S. Olympians now uh, they are. They've come back as an Olympians uh, from the U.S. Rugby Sevens team, Naya Tapper and Ilona Ma. They're going to um, be uh, uh, starting up a second series of the Leo's Den on Friday of this week. And if you've been following Ilona Meyer or either of them on Twitter or at least uh, low on uh, TikTok. She was. She became a TikTok queen in Tokyo. <laughs> so uh, they'll be talking about their Olympic experiences, of course, on this first episode. They're also going to have some guests during this season as well. So we're looking forward to that. That's the Leo's Den podcast, which you can subscribe to. You can subscribe to these shows individually on their own channels um, on, on, on your podcast app or on our main channel, Wiz Sports, where you'll find all, all of the shows. Uh, but again, wizsports.com and at Wiz Sports is where you'll find us. So do drop us any line, uh, any messages and comments. We always look forward to hearing from you. Nancy and I will be back uh, next week. Nancy, the best of luck. Take a deep breath and have a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep everyone updated on, on how I get on. 